Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday morning, you are in the zone on the fan. Tucker and Sinekin entering the abyss, but we got you covered for the next two hours. Let's go. Wonderful to be with you, as always, on this Saturday morning. I am Dave Sinekin. I am joined, as always, by the professor of hoopology, the one, the only, Double T, Trent Tucker. What's up, T? What's doing, Davey? Nice to see you. It's nice to see you as well on a warm, muggy yeah. Saturday morning. Indeed. We've reached that awkward part of the sports calendar where... Basketball's over. Football's yet to begin. Football is here. Well, it is. It's, it's stadium. here. Your stadium's open. It's here. It is close. Packers' first practice is Tuesday. It's, it's here, man. Vikings' first practice is Friday. So guys are getting prepared. They're ready to go. Got the off-season training. Making sure they're in tip-top shape to start training camp. You know, once you get to training camp, I don't know about football, but for basketball, you do all your preparation all summer long. Work out, you do this, you do that, you eat right, go to bed at a decent time, and you still get to training camp. And some days you say, Man, all that work I did all summer, I still feel like I'm out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, training camp is, is hard, it's grueling, but uh, it's, it's a great place to be because you know that the season is just around the corner. It's here. Uh, I'm pretty sure you didn't have to deal with unconditioned dorm rooms. Uh, for a couple weeks before Nick's practices start. I'm pretty sure you were covered there. No, my first year we we went down to uh southern part of New Jersey, you know, for training camp. So we all stayed in a hotel. You don't have like 100 yeah, guys that right. you have to, you know, find places for. And then after that, we had training camps right at our practice site. So we were able to go home mm-hmm. uh, in between sessions and also at the end of the second session. So that made things a whole lot better and easier, you know, for the players to make those adjustments at that time of the 
of the season. Yeah, I, I think of NBA training camp doesn't have the same feel as NFL. It just doesn't seem as long and grueling, punishing out in the heat. You're indoors. You're, you're playing hoop. It's easy. It's almost yeah. a vacation. But sometimes training camp can last a month. It all depends on who the coach is. Yeah. You know, my, my first year on Hilly Brown, we had training camp for an entire month of October. Even though we had exhibition games during that, you know, during that month. You know, but he, he kept us to two-a-days, you know, for the entire month. By him being a new coach with a new system, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to, to teach as much as he could. He wanted us to get up to speed so that once the season began, we weren't so far behind. Understandable. So football begins. We'll talk some NFL. It's that time of year. Over the next two hours, we'll talk hoops as well. Team USA's debut, the Wolves Summer League wrap-up, the new hacker rule change. Uh, but football is where we begin with the sad news yesterday that uh, former Vikings coach Dennis Green passed away at the age of 67 following a heart attack, uh, died of cardiac arrest. Um, our beginning here at the fan in the uh, mid-90s was, um, you know, during the Denny regime. And I remember going toe-to-toe with you many times over the sheriff. Oh, yeah. He never failed to provide us with uh, interesting storylines. Um, I, I think it's fair to say he had a rather strong disdain for the media, who I think he perceived to be kind of against him, against his team. I think he liked to deflect some of the criticism of his players onto himself. I think what you read, Trent, today, when you hear from the former players and coaches uh, who learned from him, are I, I think the word that comes to my mind first is loyalty. There, there was just a, there's always a deep loyalty among his players that was so strong. And you think about when we were in college, you know, he was the Northwestern coach. I mean, that's when I first heard of Denny Green was the first African-American coach in the Big Ten uh, coaching at Northwestern. And then, you know, as we know, a decade or so later, he came here and became, you know, outside of Bud Grant, who's going to be tough for anybody to beat, uh, I think the second most successful coach the Vikings have ever had. I think we all know terrific regular season record, 4-8 and eight in the playoffs, couple of meltdowns late or early in the championship games, but um, uh, an innovator offensively, a um, pioneer, certainly when it comes to opportunities for African-American coaches. And um, uh, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts as you reflect on the, the life and times of Dennis Green. You know, I was a, I was a big fan uh, of Dennis Green. And, and like you, in the, the words you just threw out, loyalty, and, and what he meant you know, to those players and, and how he was able to, you know, to bring all those personalities together and get them to think as one. I heard Randy Moss talk yesterday about, you know, Denny Green, you know, was was kind of like a father figure to him. You know, he was a young kid coming in with a, you know, with some with some question marks around him yep. as, as a person, but not as a player. And and Dennis Green was able to to help him grow and mature to becoming a wonderful football player. And but also the loyalty was there. You know, they knew they could trust him, and he, and he had their their backs. He was there to support them. Uh, he was a fair, he was a fair coach. He was a player's coach, but also if he had to, you know, he could, you know, he could get on you as as well. So I was a I was a big fan of Dennis Green, and I was very sad to hear the news that that, that he had passed away. You look at his coaching tree, which extends today. Jack Del Rio, now the coach of the Raiders, certainly comes from Denny's tree. You go back to Tony Dungy and Brian Billick and Ty Willingham and and the terrific coaches that. You know, really got their many of them got their start 
with uh, with Denny Green and, and then went on and, and became terrific coaches in their own right. Um, beyond the coaching, the ability to evaluate talent. Now, you know, maybe his most famous draft pick is Larry Fitzgerald, a kid he knew when he was, you know, 9 years old, 10, 12 years old as a, a ball boy in the sidelines during the, the Carter and Moss era. But um, he really turned around the Cardinals franchise when he left here, beginning with Fitzgerald and, and Antonio Smith and, and drafting guys that played a long time and is credited for really helping get that stadium built in Arizona. So his record down there was not good. I think he was, what, 16 and 32, something like that. But he made a pretty strong mark after leaving here, and we all know didn't end well. There, there was that coup at one time in the mid-'90s where ownership was trying to get Lou Holtz in here. He withstood that. He wrote the book. Uh, he left uh, the eve of the last game of the season, and Mike Tice took over. So there were hiccups. But um, you look at the, the long resume of of, uh, of Dennis Green, you look at a guy that I think cared a lot about his team, his players, maybe more than anything about the well-being of his players. And when you hear them, you heard Matt Burke with Guardsy yesterday speaking from the heart, what, what he meant as a person beyond football, how much he cared about players, telling them, look, I don't care, you know, once this practice is over, go home, be with your family. I mean, it wasn't, you hear about so many coaches like Belichick that eat, breathe, drink, live, you know, you got to be here 20 hours a day, show you're committed. Green always knew there was a life outside of here, and he wanted his players to embrace that, and that's why I think, I'd like to think in the short 67 years he had, that he did enjoy life beyond football as well. Well, you have to. I mean, you have to get away, because there is a another part to your life than the game that you play. For sure, you put the time in. Uh, you you make sure that you do all the things you need to do in your preparation to be the best you can on the field. But once the game is over, once practice is over, you know you you have to get away from the game. You have to be able to do something different. You have to clear out your mind because you just can't be twenty four seven, three sixty five every day. You know, thinking about football, basketball, baseball, or hockey. You, you have to be able to move on. And for guys who who have families, you have a wife, you have kids. You know, there are different things now that you have to be responsible for. And, and you have to be able to have a balance to your life, you know, to last a long time as a professional athlete. You know, we know U.S. Bank was dedicated yesterday, oddly enough, and coincidentally enough, the same day that, that Dennis Green uh, passed away, or the next day, within 24 hours anyway. I'd have to think some plans are in place to remember him somewhere uh, on that stadium wall. He's He is a part of, of that stadium being around right now. The, the rise of the Vikings during his tenure uh, and, and popularity that ensued to this day. A lot of it can go back to Denny's era uh, of excitement with those great offenses that he had. So I would think plans are in place. I mean, I would assume that whole ring of honor from the Metrodome, all the players that have been remembered in the past will be remembered in the new stadium. And I'd, I'd like to think something will be done special for Dennis Green here this season. Well, you know, is, you know he was, you know, just based on hearing, you know, the players – uh, talk about him. You know, he would have been a fun coach to play for. And like you said, you know, he, he put you in position to be successful. You know, he wasn't afraid to change things up and to try something different, where most coaches are not comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get away too far from the best. But at some point in time, you have to change things and do something different to, to put your team in a better situation, you know, you know, to win. And it would be nice to see more coaches, you know, bring that type of approach you know, to their systems. Uh, it's just a personality trait that he had. And, and just to hear all the guys talk about, you know, how, how much fun it was and, and how 
much they enjoyed going to work to play for a coach like this was a was a wonderful thing to wonderful thing to hear. We'll welcome your memories, thoughts, stories on uh, the late Vikings coach today during the program uh, via email booth at kfan.com uh, via phone 651-989-5326 toll free 800-320-5326 uh, answer man sean your calls are up next we're just getting started you are in the zone on the fa- We are back, 818 on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone on the fan. Trent and I with you till 10 o'clock. As always, we will hand things off at 10 to uh, the common man, Dan Cole. T to green with ping guy Paul Peterson and professional Craig Warrion. Saturdays with sauce to follow. Just another weekend on the fan getting set for football season. Camps open this week as uh, we'll spend part of our day throughout the morning remembering uh, the late Denny Green, and any thoughts and remembrance you have are welcome. Uh, or we can talk Vikes, we can talk NBA, uh, anything that's on your mind on this uh, muggy Saturday morning. Let's head way out west to uh, our good friend, the Answer Man, calling us from Alaska. What time is it in the morning this morning, Answer Man? It is 5.11 in the morning in Wasilla, Alaska. Uh, we are beyond uh, grateful that you have uh, gotten up early with us and uh, have checked in. Hope you're enjoying life out there. What's on your mind this morning? Well, I haven't gone to sleep yet because I've been writing all night. But oh, uh, wow. I noticed uh, I noticed uh, Dennis Green died, and he is who we thought he was. My little joke. I like that. Uh, I'm not going to disparage the guy. Um, he had an eye for talent, I will tell you that. He only let one guy get away that came out and butt him in the ass, and that was Terry Allen. Uh, I remember when he cut Joey Browner, and everybody thought he was nuts, but Joey Browner was past his prime and didn't do very well in Tampa Bay and then uh, retired. So anyway, um, I am very much looking forward to, I believe it is Sunday night, September 18th, is it not, Mr. Sinekin? I believe it's 57 days away. I'm, I'm not counting down or anything, but yes, that, <laughs> that is the day that the bank opens and, officially. And, um, I, I, am, I am going to be on Christmas Eve at Lambeau again with my son. All right, beautiful. Well, I'll look for uh, you. I'm sure I'll be there as well. And this, and this time we'll try to get there a little earlier so we can actually have a face-to-face and, and talk about the fact that you guys have lost the NFC Championship again. Well, I, I hate for you to make the long trip on Christmas for a game that doesn't even mean anything for your club. That, that's going to be disappointing for you, but it'll be a good experience anyway. Yeah, you know, I love you, Mr. Sinekin. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be a traditional thing because, like I said, the last time, last year when we were there, I think the Vikings won the NFC North. I'm pretty sure they did. Yep. But uh, that was the most pleasant, enjoyable rivalry experience I've ever had in my professional sports career. The, the fans there were generous. They were cool. Even though you guys lost the game, the guys were shaking hands with me at the end, and the people were asking me if they'd seen the stadium, had they seen this. So I, I got to tip my hat again. I don't like Green Bay, but your fans are the best. And 
Denny, rest in peace. I'll call you guys about the Tim Wolves another time. Wasilla, for your information, if you're looking at a map and see Anchorage, Wasilla would be similar to St. Cloud, but only about 65 miles instead of 90. I'm the answer man. I'm out. All right, answer man. Get some sleep. I mean, been up all night, for goodness sake. Working yeah. hard. It's, I appreciate him checking in. Five in the morning. Huh? Five in the morning. Hasn't been to sleep. Uh, but he's excited, just like you. You got Everyone's giddy, and I love that. About what? Your squad, your team. You feel like you're on the rise. I call it the aberration. You call it maybe a beginning of new things to come, right? We're on the move, baby. We're on the move. Okay. Well, it's um, it's a fun year. It's going to be interesting to see how the Vikes respond to a, a taste, a snippet of, of uh, success. Can they build on that uh, in this next year with lots more expectations as a defending division champ, more primetime games, more national TV exposure, Throw us all a, a new home um, that everyone's going to have to get used to, although many believe this will play right into how Teddy Bridgewater likes to play indoors. Um, you know, no elements and wind and all that to worry about. And, um, you know, when it's a new home, you expect to do great because it's going to be packed with Viking fans and all that, but it's still different. And we'll see uh, how long it takes. I'll, of course, have a couple preseason games to uh, – Get used to the place, but it's uh, it, it all feels different now uh, with the new stadium with the big hole in it after someone threw a rock through a window, which is unfortunate. Uh, that may not be fixed before the season starts, but um, we're going to spend a lot of time over the coming weeks as we get set for the 2016 season. Uh, what do the Vikes, what steps must they take to really feel entrenched as an NFC playoff team? We know the NFC is stacked, right? I mean, between Arizona and Seattle out west, you know, you've got Green Bay that's still considered a Super Bowl favorite by most people outside of this state. Um, down south, you know, it's hard to say, uh, besides Carolina, what there is to offer. And the east is somewhat muddled, uh, but there certainly is some talent across most of those teams. There's a lot of depth in the NFC. And, and to stay up there in the top six, it's not a given for for any team. But um, it's uh, first-place schedule. So you got you got a lot tougher schedule to deal with than – uh, even Green Bay does, so it's just it's just fun. And in the new beginning and the division champs, there's just a lot to look forward to. Uh, but I've said it; I haven't broken any news here. Uh, everyone, I think, would concur that um, the fate of the Vikes this season rests on the growth of number five. And have they done enough up front to protect him? Have they brought enough weapons in around him? Can he take that next step? Uh, that's going to be the biggest question mark to determine how far the Vikes go and how much better they are than last year. Yeah, the quarterback for sure has to get better, but his teammates also, they have to get better. And and the guys around him, they have to perform at, at a certain level where he can perform at a certain level so that this team can once again, you know, move in the right direction. You know, win the division, uh, become a better playoff team, take that next step. But it's going to take a collection of guys getting this thing done together. I mean, I know there is a lot of pressure put on quarterbacks to – you know, to grow and, and to do certain things to become better. And we, we all understand that. That's on any team. You know, but for for where this team wants to go, where they believe they should have the opportunity to go, you know, at every position, every guy has got to get better. You know, guys coming off the bench, they have to be better. Your depth has to be, have to have, you know, has to be strong. And in special teams, they have to be good. And if you believe that you're good enough to win, you know, you have to avoid the big mistakes. You can't have the mental letdowns. But also, but also most importantly, is what you do off the field. 
you know, when you're away from practice, when there are no games, when you're not around the team, are you able to take care of yourself away from the field so that you don't become a distraction for your team on the field? Yeah, that's always huge. Um, that's the major. That's the major piece right there. All yeah. of a sudden now you you taste prosperity. You begin to have some success. You know, more people now are, are looking at you. More eyes are on you. And everyone says, well, you know, there's a thousand books you can read or many speeches that you're going to hear about how do you deal with failure. But nobody really talks about how do you deal with prosperity or success. And sometimes those are two of the hardest things to deal with. And and for uh, for a young team maybe who has tasted some success a year ago, you know, you have to come back and now and prepare yourself even harder, you know, to stay at the top where you had a chance to go a year ago. And what you do off the field would be very, very critical. No doubt. Uh, I think most Viking fans, though, are more excited about uh, what actually happens on the field. I think the chance for the defense, uh, if those young cornerbacks can grow a little bit, the defense could take a major step to top 10 uh, defensively in the league. And then, of course, the rookie receiver. You know, you just you never know when you, when you draft a rookie receiver what you got. And obviously the last one the Vikes took in the first round has yet to really break through outside of special teams. How quickly can Laquan Treadwell step in and become the player that many believe he can be? Uh, a big-time red zone target, a big-time first down guy, a move-the-chains guy. But with rookie receivers, you don't always get a ton of production that first season. Um, how ready is he to step in in the moment? Because there's a big opportunity for him, and they almost need him. Uh, with, with Diggs stepping out last year and as the season went on, showing he's got a lot of potential, uh, I'm interested to see how big a factor Laquan Treadwell is out of the gate, or does it take him time to kind of figure things out? It's such a question mark when it comes to receivers. It's sometimes second year, third year, before they really figure things out. How ready is he to step into this moment? Because he's going to have a rare opportunity as a rookie receiver to step onto the field, probably as a starter for a playoff team. And, you know, he might just dive right into it and become a star, or it might take him some time. Of all the storylines going on during training camp, and there's so many of them, I know most Viking fans are going to have a, a keen eye on how ready Laquan Treadwell looks for his big moment. Well, it, it may take him some time. You know, any rookie coming into to this league is, is going to take some time. I mean, how long did it take? Jo- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Cody Nelson to become a good football player in Green Bay. Did he, yeah. did, did he step in right away? Yeah. But he wasn't a number one draft pick. It doesn't matter. But, 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 you know, there's more expectations when yeah, you're number one Yeah, but I get that. Pick. But he's still a rookie. Yeah. You know, and, and some rookies are able to step in and perform at a high level right away. And then there are some rookies they may need to take a year or two or three before they find themselves, you know, uh, at this level. And but that's why you have depth on your team. That's why you bring in good quality players, you know, who are ready to step in and play at this moment if a young player is not ready to step in and, and perform. But you know, when you when you talk about a team's success, for sure you you, you want to make sure what you do on the field is probably the most important thing. 
but making sure that you're prepared to take care of yourself off the field. The Dallas Cowboys, what are they dealing with right now? First round draft pick, Elliot, turn on the news, domestic the domestic violence. Accused of a domestic assault, yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden now you have an off the field distraction. So now you gotta go deal with this again. These are some of the things that the coaches don't need to deal with. As a player, make sure you take care of yourself off the field so that those things don't become a distraction to the head coach, to the coaching staff, and to the guys you're playing with. The way the Cowboys are going, if a week goes by without any news, it becomes a distraction. Yeah. Wait a minute, where's, where's the problem? Nobody got arrested? Look, or I mean, got I mean, you, you look at you know, you know, the teams who are very successful, you know, the Green Bay Packers, the, the New England Patriots, now the, the Seattle Seahawks have put themselves up there the, over the last few years to become one of the quality teams in the NFL. You know, the consistency of what these players do off the field. They understand how to take care of their business. They know what they do away from the practice facility, away from the team. is as critical what they do on the field because if I can't depend on you to take care of yourself on the field, how can I depend on you to do the right things when we're, when we're together on the field? Yeah, no, that's a great point. To Minneapolis we go. Terry, you're in the zone. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Dave. See, I'm um, talking about the preseason pick of the Packers being a favorite. They've been the favorite the last four or five years. Where's that yep. got them? Yeah. But anyway, let me. These are the off. Well, it's got them four division titles the in five years. What I want to make about is the off season. Yeah. In the off season, what's happened? The D tackle from Green Bay, Rajis, decided to take a vacation, mm-hmm. so they're forced into picking a D tackle that they went up to get in Clark. Number two, they got their outside linebackers, Matthews and Peppers, are both under HGH investigation. So whether they did it or not, if they did do it, they won't be doing it anymore. And it hurts older guys more. Then you go to Jordy Nelson. This is the guy that's supposed to be the Messiah coming back. He wasn't even able to practice yet. And it's suspect that he'll even be starting in camp. And everybody's saying, He'll come right back to normal. He'll be just as good as he was. Meantime, the Vikings pick up all linemen, linebacker, wide receiver, and a D-back. I just don't get how we did win it last year, right? I'm wondering how anybody can look at what's happened in the offseason and say Green Bay should be favored this year. I mean, it just defies logic. It defies logic, but uh, and thanks for the call, Terry. It's not even close. I mean, Las Vegas has Green Bay as a large favorite, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, there's a couple linebackers that are going to talk to the NFL office about the Al Jazeera report which the guy eventually recanted, but, you know, who knows where that's going to go, and they're going to probably meet here in the next week or so. Uh, I don't think everybody's saying Jordy Nelson's going to come back good as new. I mean, uh, Green Bay certainly hope he does, and they're being very careful uh, with his return, which I would hope they would be. Training camp is a long grind, and nobody wants to see guys go down early. So um, I I expect it'll take Nelson a little time to get back to where he was, but the hope is by – you know, the fact that it's been a year, you know, as you get past the 12-month mark, AP came back pretty well, and now he's maybe the exception rather than the rule. But uh, most believe Nelson's going to come back at least close to what he was. And, um, you know, when it comes to the rookie uh, defensive lineman, nobody knows, you know, if, if that was the right pick. Uh, Packers were painted into a corner. But the truth is uh, they've got perhaps top three offensive line in football and the best quarterback. And you've got a line that can protect the best quarterback in football uh, a lot of good things can happen. And I think, look, Rodgers kind of had an off season. Uh, the stats bear it out. Uh, I expect him to bounce back. Vegas does. Most NFL experts do. And if you look at the stats from last year, Trent, 
Green Bay's defense and Minnesota's defense were very close. Statistically, they were right next to each other. So this perception locally that the Vikings' defense is eons better than Green Bay's is false. It's just not true. And if you go on that back end, um, you know, you've got a nice safety. But beyond that, Green Bay's secondary, to me, is deeper and stronger. It's it's fun because that, that rivalry is red hot again because of the Vikes' success last year. And it makes it for a whole lot of fun for guys like me and you uh, to, to battle back and forth. And it's going to be a great season. But there are reasons why the Packers are favored in the eyes of, of most to return to the top of the North. It doesn't mean they will, but the schedule works in their favor. I think the old chip on the shoulder about what happened last year and motivated guys like Eddie Lacy looking for a contract, uh, I think, have a lot of chance for this team to bounce back. Well, if, you, if you're going to remain at the top, you have to beat the best, and you have to come into training camp with that mindset that this is not going to be an easy road for us to stay on top in our division and with a chance to become a better playoff team. If you're looking for an easy way out, you're in the wrong business. Professional sports are tough. And to, and to, and to be the best, you're going to have to beat the best. And I think guys who reach this level, they understand that from a mental standpoint. And, and the, the Green Bay Packers know, they know how hard it is, you know, to go on this journey, you know, to win a Super Bowl championship. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings won the division a year ago. They understand how much work it took. Now they have to put in even more work to stay at the top and to make themselves a better team as the postseason uh, comes around. But, you know, you're not expecting an easy way out. You're not expecting an easy road. And if you're looking for an easy way out or an easy road, then you got to find something else to do. No doubt. And, Terry, we can go through the Vikes situation and find the same question marks about a patchwork offensive line, a running back who's a year older, receivers that and tight ends that haven't always delivered. Defensively, fewer questions, but still, to me, uh, plenty of question marks at cornerback. And we'll see if the young guys are ready for their big moment. We're late for a break. We'll come back. It always happens when we start talking football. I miss my breaks. We'll come back, uh, talk more. Don't get yourself into thinking that she don't. She can fool around just like you do. My hand is on the plow. My hand's on the plow. And the best thing when your hand's on the plow is to look forward. And so I'm looking forward. I think when Red comes in, any questions you have about where the Vikings are going, that's his job. From now on, I think it's, it's up to them. Yesterday, no longer will those old double standards. We are back, 840. That was um, one of my favorite Denny quotes. His hand was on the plow. When your hand's on the plow, you're looking forward. That's, of course, when he uh, departed the Vikings after the second most successful regime as a head coach over his decade here. Eight playoff appearances, uh, four and eight in the postseason. Uh, didn't quite get it done. Uh, we can talk Gary Anderson. We can talk 41 Donut. But the overall regime, uh, a, a huge success over the 10 years. It was interesting. I thought guards did a great job filling in for Bump yesterday. Obviously a different perspective, a different generation. Bump, you know, the cynical sports writer that <laughs> got under Denny's skin. Garzi was the the purple fist-pumping teenager during that era that grew up with Denny Green's Vikings. And and so the, the loss uh, of Green hit Garzi in an entirely different way. Uh, as many 30-somethings listening uh, are not in their heads. That, that was their coach uh, as they grew up Viking fans. And so uh, it's... Uh, I'm sure it hit uh, a lot of Viking fans very hard, it, it, as it hits everyone hard when someone loses their life at just 67 years of age. Uh, remembering Denny today, your thoughts, your memories, 
Certainly welcome booth at KFAN.com. To the zone lines we go. Uh, we welcome Marcus to the program. Marcus, you are in the zone. Good morning. Good morning, homeboys. How y'all doing this morning? We are doing well. Calling y'all from Dallas again with a heavy heart about, uh, hearing about Denny Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent, I, I know you'll join me, man, and uh, saying what Dennis Green meant to the African-American community, mm-hmm. uh, how charitable he was, how much of his time he gave, and being the first black man to reach an NFC championship. I don't think that we look um, on those historical passings the way that we should. You know, as football fans, I think we do, but I think that the light is not shed on that, but his accomplishments. And again, his humanitarian the things that he did, man, this man was so giving of his time. Uh, I can remember meeting him on two different occasions. And so I had butterflies in my stomach because this was a guy that was, you know, on the field, seemed pretty mean and rough around the edges, but made you feel so at ease when he met you. And honestly, I felt like a father. Excuse me. He felt like a father sitting around him because he wanted to make sure that young men were doing the right thing, were holding their standards to be men. And he believed in that. And so when he instilled that in his players, you could see that on the field. And you're just going to miss that because those type of coaches aren't around anymore. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I just am, have such a heavy heart because there's so many memories you could share about Dennis Green, man. But uh, just what a wonderful coach he was and the accomplishment of what he did on the field. But more what he did off the field. I'm just so proud to have met him and to share some time with him. And... Uh, I just would never be a guy like that. I mean, the guy had an eye for talent. He put two teams together. Uh, we're seeing the Cardinals, what they are look like because of Denny Green, the Vikings. You know, this is a guy that had an eye for talent. Just, uh, man, I'm just really saddened by his loss, really saddened by his loss. Marcus, thank you for the call. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts uh, with us this morning. Uh, you know, that's tough news for a lot of uh, uh, fans, for sure, what he meant on the field and off the field. And, you look at the success he had in his career, um, always building great offenses, but never really having that signature franchise quarterback. It felt like every year, you know, from you know Cunningham to George to Johnson to Culpepper, there was almost a revolving door quarterback, yet the team always seemed to perform well offensively, which is a testament to how, how he knew how to coach his team and, and his offense and, and the guys that he ran, that ran his offense for him. Um, he, he touched a lot of people in this community, people of color, people not of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you use the word pioneer. That's a strong word. But here we are 25 years later from his hiring. We haven't come very far. And then there's been a lot of uh, reports lately about you know, the Rooney Rule, which we've talked about for years. And, you know, in concept, it's great. In practice, it seems kind of yeah. archaic and doesn't work well. And you're putting a lot of people in position where they're going through the motions. Uh, I think... When you lose a guy like Denny Green, you look at how far have we come racially putting people of color into uh, managerial um, positions in the NFL, whether it's coaches, GMs, owners, and we've made very little progress. And uh, I don't know how that changes because the Rooney Rule doesn't seem to have worked, but um, we can call Dennis Green a pioneer because he was. First black coach in the Big Ten. As Marcus said, he got his team to the NFC Championship game. Uh, First black coach to do that. Um, but you look around the league right now, and there are very few uh, people of color in in positions of power in the NFL, and and something needs to be done to create more opportunities because the Rooney Rule, where you must interview someone of color before you make a hire, 
uh, it doesn't seem to be working. Now, I don't like their ruling, and I think you I've never stayed, have. Not I've stated that before, but is a rule is not going to change. You know, the structure on how you hire people. It's the mindset of the people who are doing the hiring, and I don't think you need to have a rule in place. You know, to know who are quality coaches who are coming up the ranks, and and I don't think. Uh, a coach should be interviewed or someone should be hired based on the color of their skin. I think you should look at the qualities of the person and the coach they could be for your franchise moving forward. So to me, the, the Rooney rule is something that I, I have never liked. And I don't think that a person, any person should be just judged solely on the base of the color of their skin or whether you're going to hire them or not. Agreed. And and for the record, of course, that was Jamar at, we had Marcus on the screen, so that's what I went with. But as I heard him talking, I'm like, wait, wait, that's Jamar. I, I, you said Marcus. That well, sounds like Marcus Jamar. on the screen. I'm like, <laughs> maybe Jamar's cousin's in Dallas, and, and they were having that I big thought, family I, reunion I, I from last week. I middle name or something. You know? <laughs> um, all right, we move on to uh, our good friend John. I'm pretty sure that's his name in Minneapolis. What's up, John? Good morning, Mr. Senegan. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. John, what's up, my man? Uh, it's not really a happy day, but I will say a happy NFL, NBA, day to you, Mr. Tucker. All right. Uh, let's start it off. Uh, RIP to one Mr. Denny Green. Had a chance to meet the man in 97 when he came to my job site up here on the north side of Minneapolis, and I worked with Cieza. And they kept saying that, that I was in the package area, and that's head packer. I, they kept saying, John, that's Denny Green. I'm like, yeah, right. And then I seen the hat. And if you know him, he always wears some loud hats. And I said, man, it was Dennis Green. I said, wow. I've seen him go by because I couldn't stop working. I was packing and stuff. But just that, the whole idea of him, you know, coming up to Cieza and just seeing He wasn't the only one. I got a chance to meet Paul Wellstone before he passed and the, uh, Sharon Bell Selton. I'm not trying to be a perv this morning, but she has some pretty legs. But uh, <laughs> it's just the fact that, you know, seeing these people – on you know on the north side of Minneapolis, it, made, it really made you feel good about who was you know coming through and, and, and saying that these people are trying to make a difference. And you know he's gonna be missed, and I, I kind of miss him. I don't I don't think about the the thing that he did with the Cardinals, you know, hollering and stuff. He'd be mad too if he lost like that. But mm. it just it's kind of he's just gonna be missed. But uh, one NBA take before I get off. Uh, all them people out there is hollering and talking about the Warriors are going to win the NBA title. You better slow your roll. The Warriors then lost a lot of folks. They lost Zilli, Rush, Barbosa, Spates. That, uh, that's a lot of people. You you better hope you re-fortify your bench. But, uh, Mr. Sinigan. Yes, Mr. Headpacker. Uh, had a chance to go down there to Happy U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. And then nobody know who I was. I said, that's good. Uh, that stadium, it's something about the outside experience coming inside. That is bright in there. It's like somebody threw a giant candle off into that stadium. It is very bright down there. You want that, in, in, you know, that, that feeling of a real football sense of being outside, but you're inside. It's a, it's a nice stadium. Uh, let's don't forget this. That's the sound of NFL, Mr. Sinigan. What you going to do without B.J. Rogers? Y'all have a nice morning. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, John. I still couldn't get the past the fact that he said he was the head packer. I mean, that's, that's a great title to have. So I'm B.J. Rogers took off? 
He uh, took he, a vacation. Yeah, he put his uh, NFL career on hiatus. Not he's, coming uh, back to play this year. He's not back. No, he's uh, is he's he done? done? Well, I think he's done. He's or, or, or taking a break. I think he's done in Green Bay. He was a free agent anyway, so okay. he was a guy Green Bay was looking to resign. Uh, when he said I'm on hiatus, they ended up drafting Kenny Clark out of UCLA, twenty uh, year old, twenty uh, nose tackle to, to step into that spot and take care. He started of school at seventeen. He's a youngster. Well, he was I think oh. a junior when he. Uh, he played three years. Well, yes, high school was seventeen. He's a, he's a terrific story. I've, I think I've told the backstory. Um, he had to grow up very young. His dad was incarcerated, still incarcerated for a crime he swears he did not commit. In fact, the guy that put him behind bars has recanted his story. Um, so there is hope that his dad's going to get um, uh, freed. These guys were tighter than tight growing up, and nine or ten years old, his dad's taken away. He had to grow up quickly. Uh, very mature kid. Um, was whether he's ready to step in next to Mike Daniels on that line this year, we'll uh, we'll see. Green Bay's hoping he's ready, uh, but that's one of the question marks certainly on my team's side of the ball. Um, but as I said, and I'll continue to say it, the defense is what got Green Bay to within a whisker of the Super Bowl last year, even without their top three or four receivers and the running back being uh, not in shape uh, and a left tackle that was hurt. Um, the defense really carried that team, and I'm excited about what that defense might do this season. I think both Minnesota and Green Bay's defenses are poised to take a step forward, and uh, and I'm anxious to see uh, which team uh, does a better job of that. 8.51, we have to step away. When we come back, we'll continue to talk football, hour number two, of course, but there is some NBA stuff to talk about. Team USA took the court last night. The Wolves got within a whisker of the Summer League Championship, and uh, the hacker rule is dead. I want to touch on all three of those things with Double T. When we return for hour number two, in the zone. One hangs out with Michael Jordan. The other has a... Love that played his games on me so long. I started to believe I'd never find anyone. We're back. 8.57. You're in the zone on the fan with Trent Tucker and Dave Sinekin. we got an hour to go before we hand things off to... Tita Green, I think well, we're getting toward the end of July here. One more week of Tita Green before the fantasy football crew takes over. Man, it's that time of year already. Training camp's opening up this week. Packers practice Tuesday. They've got the Hall of Fame game in two weeks. Vikings open up Friday. And, of course, their game, first game will be in three weeks. Uh, football season is back. We'll continue to talk NFL. Remember Denny Green. I want to switch into some basketball this segment. Before we do... Let's head up to Big Lake. Jeff held through the break and wants to chat a little NFL. Jeff, you are in the zone. Thanks for hanging on. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I uh, just jumped in the car right when you guys were just ending the small talk on uh, the Rooney rule. And I've said this for years to a couple of my friends, and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy. But uh, I've always thought that the Rooney rule hinders as much as it helps. I do think that there's a couple instances where um, the, the minority coach that, that gets the arbitrary um, interview blows them out of the water with, with their interview. But I also think if this year Bill Cower comes on and says, I want to coach football, and a team knows I want Bill Cower, if I come in as the, okay, I have to interview this guy first, you just wasted his time, thought that he had a chance, all that stuff, and it just hinders the whole process. I think it's been a horrible rule for a long time. And um, 
I, I say let the guys that are going to continuously raise that bar like Tony Dungy did and, and, and so many uh, black uh, coaches and uh, let them do it. And it, and it might take, take some lumps, but they're going to get there and they're going to know that they earned it. They didn't just get the arbitrary interview. Yeah, I think we're both, thanks, Jeff. I think we're both on the same page on that one. Not sure what the answer is. The idea behind the Rudy rule, of course, came from Pittsburgh to allow owners to maybe meet some people they wouldn't have even given a thought to, you know, just open up their minds and say, look, there are some amazing young candidates out there. We talk about being blown away in an interview. Mike Tomlin blew the Steelers away. There was no thought that that Mike Tomlin was going to get that job. He'd been a coordinator one year here, and certainly the players played well for him, and and they were moving in the right direction. But I remember when he interviewed in Pittsburgh, I think most Viking fans thought, well, he has a chance to be a head coach soon, but one year as a coordinator, we're not going to lose him yet. He's going to get his little interview, and they're going to go on and hire some big name. But he did blow them out of the water. And so in that instance, I guess it worked. But as Jeff said, so many times you know owners have guys in their heads and they're bringing African-American coaches in for the courtesy interview, and it's disrespectful. It's a waste of everyone's time. That's for sure. And it just it, – clearly there doesn't a, a more obvious good answer on how – It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm going to do something better than at least putting someone in front of someone for the odd chance they might blow them out of the water. Um, but it just seems archaic and um, uh, just the wrong way to go about things because in, in many cases it just feels like a courtesy interview. And I think we just we, – we, in the break we thought that there's three, right? There's, there's Tomlin, Bowles, and Marvin Lewis. Right. And two of those three have been long-term coaches now. I mean, Tomlin with Super Bowls and, and Marvin Lewis um, – He's like a cockroach. You know, they implode at the end of every year, and he always comes back. But uh, Cincinnati's certainly trending in the right direction. Um, I'd love to figure out the answer, but it's way above our pay grade. Uh, <laughs> but, but something needs to be done for sure. All right, I want to switch to basketball. The, the Wolves Summer League ended earlier this week. I have to say, I watched the championship game between the Bulls and the Wolves. I don't know if you did. I did. It was entertaining. It was a good game. It really I thought the level of play, the, the quality of play was better than I expected. And Tyus Jones had already been named the MVP of the Vegas Summer League leading into that game. He got his hardware before the game. Nothing he did that game changed anything. He played terrific. And your boy, uh, your boy Payne played very well. Payne had his moments. I'm still... I'm still believing Adrian it's a long Payne shot. A, he played very well. I think it's a long shot he makes the team this year. It could be, but he but he, he showed but he showed over the last few games that Well he's he played two his, years in the NBA. He, he, found he, his should, outside shot. he, he should dominate this competition. He found his outside shot and he showed that, you know, he could uh, if he sticks around, he you know he could be a, a role player for someone. The disappointing fact, of course, was no Chris Dunn um with the concussion like symptoms. He didn't play after the second game. So we didn't get to watch maybe four or five more opportunities to watch Chris Dunn play which would have been terrific. But kudos to Ryan Saunders, the staff, and those players for almost pulling off the championship. When Tyus hit that three. You thought it was over. 
who didn't? It was a Steph Curry three. It was 30 feet out. It was, you know, they waited too long to get a play going. He has to just step back and fire. He knocks down the three, and it looks like it's over. And then Denzel Valentine answers, and then Valentine hits the game winner and shows that he may have uh, some magic in him as, as what he showed at Michigan State all those years. He had a terrific final game. That was good quality basketball, and uh, despite the fact that there might have been one or two Timberwolves on that team, uh, I think locally Wolves fans had to be excited about seeing Tyus Jones take a step, gain confidence, and, and seeing him knock down some deep shots. All right, maybe he's not that far away from being a guy that can contribute on this team. You know, Tyus Jones has, has always been a, uh, a good basketball player. He, he has always been successful at, at every level that he's played at. Mm-hmm. He had a very good summer league for sure. Now, you know, the next step, you know, has to – will be shown whether he has taken the next step once training camp rolls around. Now you're going to play against better players, guys who are going to be on, on most teams throughout the season. The talent level for sure is going to, is, is going to be greater. So – now we would know whether he has taken the next step. But, but throughout the summer, he played very well. He was in total control. He was in command. You know, he was back in the position that he's very used to being in. Mm-hmm. He's the guy with the basketball. He's the guy that has always set the table. And all of a sudden now when you step up where the competition is, is, is different or better, you may not be the guy now that controls the basketball for 30, 35 minutes. And now you have to figure out what role can you play. And making those adjustments sometimes can be very difficult for a young player. But for him to stay in this league and stay on this team, he may have to make some of those adjustments very quickly. Yeah, it was a nice next step for him as he gets set. He played very well. Second training camp, his first under uh, the new coach, and of course uh, Thibodeau is on Mike Shashevsky's Shashevsky's staff for Team USA. And that team took the court last night for the first time together. Uh, The first time in a long time, Team USA did not feature Kobe. Did not feature LeBron. There's no Steph Curry. Some of the biggest names in the sport are not part of this team. I don't think it's going to matter too much. They destroyed Argentina, 111-74. to Really hammered them inside. With Cousins uh, and Jordan, they had 22 offensive rebounds, 26 second-chance points. Um, KD, Durant, 23. The three Warriors played together for a couple minutes for the first time. Clay and, and Draymond along with Durant. And I thought the best story of the night was Jeff? It was Jeff George. <laughs> God, football on the brain. Uh, Paul George, who the last time around, this is when he had that gruesome injury, was in these practice games before the Olympics, and it's one of the most gruesome knee injuries we've seen. Uh, he is back better than ever. You could say eighteen points. Kind of got through those demons, Trent, getting on the court again in the same town where it all happened, different arena, but uh, same town. Uh, this team looks ready to win a gold medal, and uh, I'm not dying to watch them. I'm not super excited to watch them, but um, I watched a little bit the fourth quarter last night, and um, they seem to have it going on already. Well, you know more than I do because I didn't watch the game at all. Well, and So, I, so I'm you? just going to, you know, take your point of view and go from there. All right. Well, it's a long way to go before the Olympics. Obviously, they're going to play a lot of games, uh, but just doesn't have the star power when you've got guys like DeRozan and Lowry from the Raptors and, um, just not the biggest names of the sport. They had great star power. Well, there, there's plenty. Kevin Durant, I understand Paul that. George, Clay Thompson, I get Draymond it. Green. Yeah, there's just no. Who was as good as Draymond Green in Game Seven? I mean, even though his team lost, but Draymond Green was fantastic in Game Seven. How was he in Game Six? Well, you know, he got suspended for Game oh, Five, yeah. Yeah. but Game Seven, I mean, he single-handedly put the Golden State Warriors 
in the position to win against James and Kyrie Irving. Let's talk about them for a second uh, because last caller, or was it, I think it was John, said, you know, slow your roll on this team. They've got four all-stars, if not superstars. We know that. Uh, the depth has been uh, zapped a little bit, but you get a guy like David West to come aboard, Zaza Pakulia to come aboard. Who? Zaza. Uh, this kid I, can play. I, I like him. Uh, but they did lose four or five guys that were, you know, contributors. They still have Livingston. I am of the opinion they are going to win this thing going away. I mean, no. this this team is too strong for. I mean, they don't have to all play together either. You know, they could well, shake it up a little bit. Well, sometimes. you know, the biggest factor to their success this past season was because of their bench. They had. I wouldn't say the biggest. It was a factor. Fa- yeah, the biggest. They had their fa- moments. Yeah, they brought the biggest factors for them. Their success with their bench because they had guys who could come in and, and and really play. You know, they had a strong bench for sure. You know that that Clay and Steph and and Draymond these guys played very well throughout the first part of the game. But their bench came in and gave them a strong support. I thought Steve Kerr didn't use his bench enough against the Cleveland Cavaliers to knock them off. You know, Leandro Barboza. Uh, in game six, played very well in Cleveland. 16, 17 points off the bench. He didn't play much in game seven. Mm-hmm. And and so one of the major factors to their success all year long was how well they bench played. But he didn't But he didn't trust those guys as this thing tightened up. And, and I think that came back to haunt the Golden State Warriors some. Do you think there will be any problem giving the guys enough ball? We've got Clay and Steph and Durant. They all want the ball to shoot. They got to figure it out. And I, you and I talked about this even before, you know, Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City to go to to go to Golden State. One of my major concerns was that how could he fit in? He was a guy that is used to dominating the basketball. It was he and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is your turn. Now it's Kevin Durant's turn. How would he fit fit in with a team that likes to pass and cut? You know, they share the ball. They don't hold the ball. They don't play a lot of one on one. And Kevin Durant has been a one-on-one type player throughout his career. So it's going to be very interesting to see how can he make some of those adjustments now to fit into a more of a team concept. And I think I mentioned uh, a while ago is that the only other player who I've seen with this type of individual talent to go to a team concept was about 40 or 50 years ago, and that was Earl Monroe when he went to join the New York Knicks with Walt Frazier. Yeah, certain parallels there. It You have to believe if Durant decided to make this switch – he understands that you know he might only average nineteen twenty a game. He might be given up a chance to score. And same thing with Steph Curry, who was open and, and wanted this to happen. His numbers might drop a little bit. I don't think these guys really care about that. They want to win four titles in five years. Right, if they the, if the they want multiple right, titles. You're right. If the mindset is right, but making those adjustments, you know, you're asking the guy now to change, you know, the way that he has played for so long. Now he has to fit in. Is he comfortable only taking? maybe 12, 13, 14 shots a night compared to taking 25 to 30. And are he willing to do, or can he do other things other than score the basketball to make the team better? Does he have those other pieces to his game, you know, to make the Golden State Warriors a complete team once again? It's going to be fascinating to watch how long it takes them to come together, how this all goes. Uh, This will be, Pretty much must see TV every game they play. Most of their games will be nationally televised. Maybe they will all, be a, all of them will be a rock. Pretty much, <laughs> they'll be like a rock group coming to your town. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of deals this year. And how do they handle that? Uh, you know, you're going to get every team's best shot, but the amount of talent, offensive talent on that team, 
is mind blowing to me. Well, you, you talk about you know Draymond, you talk about Clay and Steph and, and, and Durant, and after that you got to you got to you got you got to fill the pieces in. Yep. You know somebody's going to have to rebound, somebody's got to protect the rim. You got to have a strong defensive uh, a concept. The bench has to be stronger for sure. You, you know that a strong bench is, is going to give you a great chance to, to find the success that you're looking for. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Golden State Warriors management, you know, add those extra pieces to make this team whole. All right, I want to switch to the rule change that was announced earlier in the week. Uh, the Hacka Jordan Hacka Shack. Uh, hack of, uh, I hate it. I don't even know what it is. I know you don't. I, <laughs> I know you don't like it because you guys need to learn how to shoot free throws. Right? And that, I doubt about it. That's what you say. The rule that's been instituted now, Trent, is in the last two minutes of all four quarters, not just the fourth quarter. Say that again. In the final two minutes okay. of all four quarters, uh-huh. if a player is fouled away from the ball or during an inbounds play, that team gets one free throw and possession. The team gets one free throw and possession. So instead of just you, you fouled, it's terrible um, Drummond, and he. I hate the rule. <laughs> I hate it. Well, I hate watching basketball where they're just fouling. But how guys many, jumping on someone's back? How many, put them on the free throw but, line. But on a large percentage, how many guys are you doing that to? Like three in the whole league, probably. There you go. Yep. So it's not that big of a deal. It's just magnified maybe at, at playoff time. Well, it's just ugly. It, though. It's, it's it's magnified at playoffs. How many times during the regular season do we really see this take place? Well, I think a little more than you're saying. I think when you, because we don't watch every in a game. Close game with the Clippers or Pistons, they were fouling those guys. You know, how many Piston games are you watching during the course of the season? Oh, let me. God, jeez. <laughs> how many LA Clippers games are you watching during the course of the season? How many times have we gone to a Wolves game over the last few years and seen this rule implemented against the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, it hasn't because they haven't had a player. There that... you go, because guys can shoot free throws. I They're think... not fouling Carl Anthony Towns. They're not fouling Gorgie James. No, just a few guys, There really. you go. So why are you changing rules for a few guys who can't shoot yeah, free throws? I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I straddle the line on this one because it's so hideous to watch when, when a coach implements this to just – Jump on a guy's back and put him on the foul line. It's just not basketball. So, guys, so you're telling kids today, you know what, don't work on your free throws because you know why? If you're lucky enough to make it to the NBA, they're going to bail you out anyway. Yeah, well, it's just the final two minutes of each quarter. It's not the entire game. Uh, you can still foul Andre Drummond all you want in the first ten minutes of each quarter and put him on the line. But then, you, then all of a sudden now you put the entire team in, in the bonus. No. Yeah, that's true. Right. So you so you use this rule because guys who are not willing or who can't shoot free throws, who are not good enough to make them, all of a sudden now you put them in a situation where they don't have to become good free throw shooters. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel like this rule should have to be in place because it's not so widespread. Right, yeah. I mean, if, if you were talking about 50, 60, 70% of the players who couldn't shoot free throws and this took place – in a large percentage of games throughout the regular season, I might, I, I could hear your argument, but the only time we really notice this is that playoff time. Let me ask you a question: Why don't more guys try the Rick Barry school of free throw shooting? Probably it's not taught. But why isn't it? I, I remember as a kid hearing who's going to teach. It's them? a natural way to, to be able to duplicate and replicate the same motion, that underhand style. I don't think so. You don't? No. Because most guys don't grow up shooting the basketball that way. Who's yeah, going to teach it? But most basketball shots are not undefended where you're standing there by yourself. Well, it's, it's almost like a golf shot. But who's going to teach it? I don't know. Go yeah. to YouTube. Go to RickBerry.com. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, somebody can teach it. Underhand? Yeah. 
I, I mean, it's I just would, a natural. I would never do that. Well, you've never had much of a shooting stroke yourself. Right. So I mean, but most shots, it's hard to be up here. No, I understand that. Right. But I remember I mean, Rick Barry was maybe the greatest free throw shooter ever. He shot the ball underhand. The fan has but learned he's the only one. he could shoot the but, other way, too. But he was the only one. I understand that. But why, right. I wonder why no one else Steph has ever Curry's tried it. a great it. free throw shooter. Reggie Miller was a fantastic free well, throw shooter. We can go on and on about great right. free throw shooters, but for guys that struggle, get like to, Shaq, why didn't Shaq ever no, try the underhand? He would have struggled that way. Get get in the gym and shoot your free throws. Work, get a, you know, get your rhythm down, focus in, do the same routine time and time again, and work on your free throws. Nobody works on free throws anymore. Guys are doing two things today. Either I'm shooting a three or they slam dunking. That's what they're doing. Daughter Allie took home hardware at the Kevin Lynch camp last week for free throw shooting. Yeah, there you I think go. She made 11 out of 15. Like, you know, you and I were. form is not great, though. Yeah, you and I came out one night, sat down with some kids in Minnetonka. We did. And the first thing we worked on was what? You worked on free throws because Jackson's team was struggling at the line. They were under 50%. And you, each kid got up there and you watched them and you gave them confidence. You told them a little thing to change. And it was startling how quickly things changed after a 15 minute. Uh, Clinic. It was unbelievable. Tim Duncan, perhaps one of the greatest centers, power forwards, whatever you want to call, <laughs> in the history of the game, five-time NBA champion. He struggles with free throws as well, not as not as poorly as some of the other guys that we have mentioned, you know. But there are a few things that I would I would change, you know, with his technique, and that could have probably made him a more consistent free throw shooter. You know, just bending his knees at the right time here and there. Um, but you have to, but, but you have to put the work in. You know, you 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 have to get into the gym, get with someone, you know, who can sit there and kind of analyze what you're doing, yep. and give you a few tips here or there, you know, to get you back on on the right track. Even though as a shooter, sometimes when you get off rhythm, you need somebody to, that can get into the gym with you, that can analyze what you're doing, to help you get back on track, so that you can find your rhythm once again. Are we going to see Hacka Jordan in the Olympics? I would. Wouldn't shock me, right? If you're getting Why killed. Not? Why not just see it? Does that rule apply to the Olympic games? It does not. Okay. It does not. Right. So Aka Jordan is in play in Would Rio. you do it? Well, yeah. I mean, Can I'm Russia sure go it, this year? I, I know the track and field team has been banned. Yeah. Well, and then we'll see if the IOC uh, keeps that in place. Um, Can the basketball team go? Has it been banned as well? They have not been banned. I, don't, okay. I believe it's only, just track and field. Only track and field. We have to break. 916. We'll come back, take your calls on this or any subject. Uh, we've talked football. We've talked Denny Green. Uh, NBA, whatever you feel like chatting about, we'd love to hear from you. Phone calls up next, 651-989-5326. Toll free, 800-320-5326. Trent and I are back in a flash. Bumper music by my buddy Pepe Willie, whose birthday was yesterday. Played some golf with him at lovely Victory Links up in Blaine. It was his birthday. I let him win. Felt it was the least I could do. He's much older than I am. But happy birthday, Pepe. You let him win? I didn't really let him win. He just played a little better than I did. Okay. Now the truth is coming out. Probably the better way to explain it. Right? Yeah. But uh, appreciate his contributions to our show with his bumper music over the years. Uh, We've been talking some hoops, free throw shooting, getting a lot of tweets and uh, emails about uh, shooting free throws underhanded. A buddy of mine texted in that that players look at that as like old lady shooting, like granny style. Would there be a stigma if 
if you were playing ball and one of your guys started knocking down, if he was making them, free throws underhand, would you kind of snicker and go, really? That's no. how you're going to shoot? No. You I wouldn't, wouldn't think so. As long as the ball is going if in. If you're making 75% of them, we're all good, right? If the ball is going in, we don't care how you put it in the basket. Just, just put it in the hoop, man. I always feel like it just – I mean, I remember growing up watching Rick Barry, and the guy shot 93, 94%. I remember thinking as a kid, I wonder why more guys don't try it. Maybe they do, and it's just too difficult. I don't know. Seems easier, like more natural to replicate the form. I know you're shaking your head and thinking I'm nuts. I'm just, <laughs> if it were easier, more guys would probably do it, right? On the subject, let's head to Minneapolis. Cheryl joins us. Cheryl, you're in the zone. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. I love hearing you talk about free throws because uh, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm 61 years old. All right. I, when I graduated in college from college in the late 70s, I went to Europe and played basketball for a year. Okay. And that was back in the day when a lot, a lot of women did that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I was in the gym not long ago, and I don't like to hang out in the, in the gym part too much because all the young guys are in there, and they're trying to impress each other with their three-point shots and their dunks. But mm-hmm. I took the ball, went down to the other end of the court, warmed up a little bit, the free throw line, and knocked down 30 in a row. All right. And I kind of shocked myself. But then when the guys come up to me and they ask, you know, number one, how old are you? (laughs) And then, you know, how do you do that? I'm like, you know, it's all about form. You guys spend all your time at the free throw line trying to jack up these shots if you're not able to take but if they go in you think you're able to take them and and you're either you're dunking or like you said before either they're dunking or they're shooting a three and if they just can get their form down on the closer shots then they can move back but man they just they just don't work on their free throws anymore and it's just shocking to watch nba games and people don't knock them they should knock them down every time and if i'm 61 and an old lady and can do it then they should be able to do it. And it's frustrating watching these kids in the gym. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. Cheryl, thank you. And for the record, 61 is is young. So That's please, very true. You are, you are just okay. a, getting into middle <laughs> age at this point. Thank you for the call. Thanks. Well, 30 in a row. I hope you inspired. I hope she inspired a she couple inspired of those me. guys. Well, me too. Right. Um, I'm guessing she shot them overhand. I, I'd like to think maybe she got through to one or two guys. Like, all right, that that. If she can make 30 in a row, how much is it going to take for me to improve my game if I practice a little bit? Well, it's based on how the game is taught today. You know, all of a sudden when, when, when Michael Jordan and those guys begin to leave the game, what was the next era? Who was going to be the next Michael Jordan? Well, the first thing anyone saw when a kid could do a 360, oh, he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. So he was built up on athleticism. Harold Miner. Was his ability to dunk the basketball. Yeah. All of a sudden now, what's the, what's the most important shot? that most teams are looking for, a guy they can shoot the ball from behind the arc. When I first came into the league, we had wonderful three-point shooters. But if you took more than one or two a game, you know, that was, a, that was about it. If I took two three-point shots in any game back in, the, back in the early 80s, that was a huge night of shooting three-point shots. One or two. Now, Steph Curry takes 10 before the first quarter's over. Well, when you see teams <laughs> in transition, right, two-on-one, two three-on-one fast break where they pull up and shoot a three – there are guys spinning in their grave that that's founded this game uh, or played it or coached it all the way through the last 10 years that can't believe that's how basketball is played right now. You got a fast break, you go in for the layup. No, now right you pull up and, and fire a three. Right to the three point and and as, as you know, Trent, the popularity and the success of the Warriors are causing more. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. More kids to say, I want to do that because look, the NBA is turning into a three-point shooting That's contest. That's exactly what the NBA is. The yeah. three-point shooting contest or a slam dunk contest. You know, the mid-range game has been lost. You know, and one of the all-time great mid-range games players was Sam Cassell. You know, right. Sam Cassell was wonderful in that pick and roll in that 15 to 18 foot mark. You know, he would come off one way, the defense would, would take it away, then he would get that rescreen and come off and knock down that 17, 18 footer. And many people today still believe that a healthy Sam Cassell back in 2004 would have gotten the Wolves past the LA Lakers. Yeah, we bemoan that injury, and we will forever, I think. Uh, let's head over to the cheesy side of the St. Croix and welcome Ed in Grantsburg. Ed, you're in the zone. Good morning. Hey, just. Touching on a couple of things, you know, I watched that that last game of summer league. You know, those young timber pups. Some of them are looking are looking good. You know, and who knows how that'll translate? I think it was it was right when Tyus Jones came in. He was in the D league. He was tearing it up. Then it you know didn't really translate a whole lot on the court once he was brought up. But who knows? Um, I, I'm because I'm on that side of the St. Croix. I'm a Bucks guy. I'm going to talk about Zaza Pachulia for two seconds. Yeah. You guys touched on him. Um, you know. There's only so many plays, it, it, players on the court at the same time, you know, and if you've got four all-stars or superstars, you don't really need another guy who's out there putting up big numbers. You know, Zaza, what he's good at is, is positional basketball. He's great. Um, he's got great footwork. You know, he shuts things down in the paint to a certain extent, and he's a good distributor. And really, if, if you don't need him to score – you know, that, that's actually going to work pretty well for their team. Is it as good as Bogut was? Probably not. But, you know, Duran will more than make up for that. And then this, this hack-a-shack thing, man, I, I got to tell you, I was talking about this. You know, there's been whispers about it, you know, for the last couple of years and that they finally did it. You know, I don't care if it's limited minutes that they're doing this. I just think it's, I think it's stupid. You know, it's learn to shoot free throws. Um, talking about people doing the underhand style, you know, my grandfather at 70, you know, went into a free throw competition. This was over in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And he was doing underhanded and blew everybody else out of the water. It wasn't even close. And this is a 70-year-old man, you know, knocking out kids who were, you know, 20 years old. So, you know, to say that you can't do that or, you know, that free throws are ridiculous or whatever and that you need to put in this rule is, is just dumb. That's pretty much it. I'll let you guys talk. All right. Yeah, thanks, Ed. I think we're on the same page. Ultimately, I'm coming around your side. As much as I hate to watch the game played that way, to make a rule for two or three guys just seems like an over. Like overreach. I said, it's, it's, it's not a large percentage of players that you're doing this to. Like I said, if if this was a consistent thing on a nightly basis, you know, throughout the entire regular yeah. season, you know, I could hear the argument, but it's only magnified at playoff time. And how many guys who can't shoot free throws who are marquee players on playoff teams who are playing at this time of the year. Yeah, not too many. Uh, and on Zaza, I watched him when he was on the Bucks too. He's a nice player. I don't think it's a huge drop-off from Bogut to him. Bogut might be oh, yeah, a bit so. better rim protector. But oh, yeah, I think it's no, a good, I don't. I don't I, think I, so, Trent. I'm telling you, man. Cause and Zaza's more um, durable. Uh, Bogut well, always yeah, Bogut gets banged a, up. But when, 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 when uh, Golden State needed someone to kind of help them 
you know, uh, riding the ship against OKC. You know, Andrew Boga gave them some nice offensive low post game uh, to keep Golden State, you know, within striking distance. You know, Jaja, uh, he can't do that. He, he's an offensive player. So he's going to have to be able to score the basketball some because he's going to be open. Believe me. <laughs> he's got, he does have some offensive game. He does. Yeah. 9.32, we pause one more time. John, Tom, your calls are next. Feel free to join us. Talk- We're back, 937, final segment of uh, this edition of In the Zone on the Fan. Appreciate you, know, uh, you spending part of your Saturdays with us this morning. You know, Dave, just talking about this NBA rule, and just dawned on me is that, okay, if I, you know, if I foul the guy, you know, before the last two minutes, one free throw and they keep the possession? No, only in the last two minutes. Only the last two minutes. Of each quarter. Like so last two minutes, right. Yeah, so if you foul a guy at the six-minute mark of the quarter, okay, but away the last, from the ball, but, he's going to shoot. But in the last two minutes... They get a they get a one free throw and a possession. Correct. That's, You're not on board with that. That's too much. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Make the free throws and keep playing. There really are just two players, right? It's Jordan and Drummond, right? There are no other Howard, Dwight Howard. Do yeah. they do that? Is it Hacka Howard? Yeah, it's huge. Hacka Howard. God, I don't not recall. I guess it. Yeah, I guess it was back in the day. A yeah, little bit. Hacka Howard. Hack Shaq. Shaq made his free throws at playoff time. Sometimes Shaq Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the rule is in place. Uh, we will see how that goes. We're talking about shooting and making your free throws, and uh, we'll welcome John in Zimmerman to chat about it. John, you're in the zone. Thanks for checking in. Well, thanks for letting me get in. I appreciate the chance to visit with you guys. You bet. Uh, I listen most Saturdays, at least a part of the show, and I've been wanting to call in for a long time because uh, this is really a comment for Trent. When I was a kid, uh, back in the day, back when Trent was at the University of Minnesota, we, um, every kid on our basketball team, this is like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, we all wanted to be Trent Tucker. We all imitated him and tried to, uh, and it got, you know, how seventh graders are. I mean, we would yell out his name as we shot the basketball <laughs> from what seemed like us to be a, a long ways away. The perfect form to that jump shot, one of the purest forms I've ever seen as a basketball fan and uh, just really felt like it was a time that I shared that story with you Trent maybe you heard Thanks. that kind of thing before probably have but uh, bless you my brother really thank you enjoy a lot what you're doing now and glad you're on the radio thank all right you so much thanks. yeah thanks for the call John uh, call in anytime um, want to touch on a subject that an emailer asked for your thoughts Trent on um, the the Minnesota Lynx players protesting uh, the recent violence and, and supporting uh, Black Lives Matter, um, they were fined. We know the, the office, the number of officers at Target Center walked yeah. out of the arena. Uh, the league did find them, although the commissioner kind of, I think, sort of backhanded, stood behind them for standing up. I mean, look, when athletes stand up for social issues, they're taking a chance in, in many ways. And, and there are athletes that have kind of been criticized for maybe not using their platform. I think of Michael Jordan as a guy that didn't really step up and, and, and speak on social issues, whereas obviously the late Muhammad Ali was was known for that. Um, Tiger didn't do it very much. It's what you're comfortable with, and there's a whole lot of yeah. 
stuff that goes with it when you're going to step up there. It's going to put a target on your back and, and create animosity, certainly, from some. I was of the opinion when I saw the T-shirts, I thought it was a cool thing. I, I thought they were, I thought, somewhat respectful of, of the officers who had been slain because there was uh, support for them on their T-shirts. And then, of course, the support for the, the movement, which... I mean, let's face it, we could speak for hours and days about (laughs) Black Lives Matter, and is that the right way to approach uh, what are perceived as social injustices? Um, But just from the link standpoint, taking that step, making that statement, how did you feel about it? I thought it was okay. I mean, everybody has a has a right, you know, to protest. Everyone has a right to to express themselves based on how they feel. And and like you said, anytime you you make a statement or you step out, you know you know there's going to be good and bad on both sides. And if you believe in what you're doing is right, if you think it's the right thing to do, well, then you move forward with it. And but once you put yourself out there, you can't turn back. Right. You, know, you have to stay out there, you know, because you're going to get criticism on, on either side. And but if I've always felt like that, anytime that you, that you have to take a stance on something that you believe in. And if you believe this is the right thing that you're doing, well, then you can't turn back once you put yourself out there. We saw the four NBA superstars get up at the beginning of the ESPYs to talk about gun violence in this country. And I thought it was pretty powerful uh, for them to get up there and, and say what they did. The the proof, though, or, or the end result is what do you do beyond that? Carmelo Anthony has really taken the lead and wanted to try to put groups together, get conversations going uh, about gun violence. And I think... It's a very admirable next step. It's easy mm-hmm. to just make a statement and on a program where millions are watching. But you got to follow through. You do. Have, there's so little follow through. I feel like in every walk of life in this world, whether it's business, whether it's um, promises, that just most people don't follow through. And and I think if these guys can really make it a point to take this cause and and try to do something about it in in communities all over this land. Uh, I think we are, we're going to be better for it just to get the conversation going. But when you talk about follow through, follow through takes time. And you're going to have to build that, that organization of people and that movement. And that takes time to come together. Uh, I understand where they're coming from. And, and you, you can hear what, what, what they're trying to accomplish. But will they have time, you know, to see this through? Because there's an NBA season that they're going to have to go play as well. And who would be there to support them? Who would be their organization that can carry this message through and give them the time that they need to see if they can make a change? Athletes aren't supposed to be role models necessarily. Um, the fact is they are to the youth in this country. And, and to me, any opportunity they have to show that there are things that mean a lot to them beyond what they do well in athletic pursuits I think is a good thing because – there are just millions of kids that are going to eat up and, and drink up whatever they, they hear from these guys. And uh, we all hear about guys that are looked at as role models that fall, uh, that that disappoint us. Um, to take up a social cause takes courage. Uh, it's not the easy way. Um, but I, I applaud any athlete that uses their platform to try to stand up to, to in their minds, right a social wrong. So I give the Lynx players credit uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I give those NBA players credit. And as we say, what's next? How do we keep the conversation going? I through. I mean, and like I said, you know, once you, once you make the statement, once you, once you believe that what am I, what I'm doing at this stage is the right thing to do. And like I said, you're going to get, you're going to have backlash on, on either side. But once you, but once you take that step and once you put yourself out there, but then you have to follow through. You know, you can't you, know, you you can't turn back just because you hear the criticism from over here. Because you know you're going to get it. Yep. But once you decide that this is the platform that I want to stand on, but then you but, but then you got to stand on it. You know, you you can't say, "Well, I'm not going to do this no more because I've heard this and I've heard that." Just because this person feels this way or that person feels this way. My organization may not accept some of the things that we're doing. But I believe it's the right thing to do. And if you have people who are going to trust and believe that you are going to continue to do this and make this movement about something that is much bigger than yourself, well, then once you make that promise that you're going to be in this arena, you got to stay in there. Yeah, you do, and it's it's challenging. And um, well, we'll just as time goes by, we'll see um, what these small statements here in this past few weeks, uh, what the end result might be, or what the next steps might be, at least. Conversation has begun, and then we'll see where it goes from here. Well, you know, communication is the key. You know, you know we don't talk to e- each other uh, as as much as we should, and, and I've always felt like that. The more that I can, I can have a, a sit down conversation with you, and I know that we don't have a lot of time to do that because we have so many different things that are, that are taking place in our lives. But I get to know you more as a person and as a man, and it, it, it makes it easier for me now to evaluate you as a person on. Can you and I coexist? Do we share some things, you know, that, you know, that we can build a friendship up on for a very long time? Yeah, we come from two different places. We've had different messengers who are giving us different messages. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, you have to put those messages to the side and come in and make your own evaluation. And I've always said that, you know, to change the course of your journey, sometimes you got to change the way you think. No question about it. You know, we circle back to where our show started, and, and that was the uh, the passing of Dennis Green um, announced yesterday after this Thursday night or, or early Friday morning um, after a heart attack a week or two ago, uh, died of cardiac arrest. And, and you know, you look at social causes and, and progress, and here's a man who was you know, the second African-American coach in the NFL in, in the early 90s. He was just the second uh, after Art Shell, and and – the, the pioneering trail he had taken from college and Northwestern and Stanford to, to Minnesota and then Arizona and the difference he made for, for so many athletes, uh, the, the, how he touched them. And you look now 20 or so years, 25 years later, since he joined the Vikes, we haven't come very far. We haven't seen a lot of other uh, coaches of color in this league. There's only three that I know of or at the top of my head right now in the NFL. And so, I guess I'd like to think that, that we've come farther, and, but some of the events in this world of the last month or two have shown that as much as we've come a long way since the late 60s, there's so much farther to go. And um, it's all about, as we keep talking about, keeping the conversation going and keeping it out front and, and talking and then trying to, to resolve things and not using violence and using issues that separate you from keeping you apart. But it's, you, you have to change your thought process. You have to change the way you think and how you view the world, how you and how you view other people. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is through communication, because, like I just mentioned, we all have messengers. 
growing up as kids. Someone has has been there to to give us a certain message about others based on their life experiences. And if and if we're not able to step outside of some of the messages that we have heard throughout throughout our lifetime, well then we become that same person. We become that person 20, 30, 40 years ago. But the world is changing. And the only way that we can keep up with the world as it is today to make it a better place, we have to be willing to step outside of our box. We have to be willing to change the way we think and how we view things so that we can make it a better place for all. And it's not necessarily just athletes' uh, responsibility, obviously, but um, they're so out in, out front and and in the public eye that it gives them, if they're interested, a forum to help ease that change and ease that progress and and move it forward. So we'll see if uh, if any of this has an impact. I hope it does. And, and it's all about how do you deal with conflict? You know, how do you diffuse a conflict when emotions are running high? You know, can someone can someone stop now and think before they react? Mm-hmm. Because once you react, then all chaos breaks up. But if we can just stop and think before we react, then things are going to be a whole lot better. Indeed. Uh, we got five or six uh, minutes to go here before they kick us out. We'll come back and and cover here now um, some of the things we've talked about. We talked, as we just said, passing of Denny Green, uh, a giant in Vikings history. Uh, I'd like to think they'll do something at U.S. Bank Stadium this season to uh, honor his memory. Um, but I just was really touched by, because, look, I had my fun with Denny was he, when he was here. He was very quotable um, from my standpoint, uh, being a fan of another team. Um, sometimes he gave us a chance to be kind of a punching bag because as successful as he was, in the regular season, and you look at the records, a lot of 10-6s and sixes and 9-7s, and sevens, a lot of winning seasons, uh, many times and most times, enough to get in the playoffs, but not so much success in the postseason. Um, what struck me now, hearing from Robert Smith, who had a great, just a touching Facebook post, how he lost his mother recently and how now he feels like he's lost his father, and, right. and how um, he touched players on a personal level, and, and not many coaches do that. And I think uh, Denny Green was a guy who almost to a player, guys would say, no coach touched me like Denny Green. Nobody cared for me like Denny Green did. I think that's how he'll most be remembered as a guy. You hear that that cliche, a player's coach, right? You hear that all the time. I think Green was almost the ultimate player's coach, that when you played for him, he cared for you and had your back. And I think a lot of players wish they had coaches that they knew had their back and weren't answering to an owner or a fan base or whoever else that that he really cared most about his players. And I think that's what really has struck me in the last 20 hours or so since the news broke, hearing from his former players and and what an impact he had on their lives, not just on the field, give me a chance, give me a start, whatever, but teaching them to be men. Uh, The greats were able to do that. And I think you have to put Denny in that category because there are a legion of players uh, from all walks of life that say, you know, I learned to be a man from Dennis Green, and that might be one of the best epitaphs you could have in your life. But that's what the coach is all about. You know, it's helping you. You want it to be that it's, way. It's helping you grow as a person. I mean, even at, the, even at the youth level, when you have coaches who are positive, you know, to, they can uplift the spirit of a, of a kid, you know, when things are not going well. You know, that's a, that's a huge, huge plus, you know, going forward for that, for that young person for the rest of his life. As a professional athlete, you know, when, when things are not going well. Yeah, everybody can say, well, you know, you got the money, you got the fame, you got the fortune. But at the end of the day, you're still a human being with human emotions. And when things are not going well for you mentally, 
you know, who's going to be there? Who can I trust? Uh, you know, who's going to help me get through this tough time so I can get myself back on track? And how can I use that knowledge that was passed on to me as I move out to the rest of my life to pass this on to somebody else who might be in the same situation that I was in, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago? And, Trent, we're not just talking, obviously, about coaches at the professional level. There the are youth coaches. Level. That's where really, I mean, 99% of the players – that play sports don't ever play beyond youth sports, but they are many are lucky enough to be touched by a great leader, a great coach, someone that may not make them a superstar, but might teach them what it's going to mean to be a, a competitor, a human being mm-hmm. as they grow up. And that's that's you know to me how it trickles down. Well, and and, and the toughest toughest thing for any coach at any level is is how do you teach kids to compete? How do you get them to compete at at a, at a high level, whatever sport they're playing, at whatever level they may they may be at. Uh, in terms of age, well, how do you get them compete to compete the right way? You know, uh, see that competition can be fun. You know, that it's going to help you grow as a person, and that you know through athletics and through sports is going to bring a lot of life lessons as well. I I coached uh, my son's baseball team. I've done uh, a little coaching, and I you know I was never a great athlete. <laughs> the fan has learned, um, but I find that you know coaching ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen year olds. Most of what you're doing is almost being a psychologist. I mean, you're you have to your father figure. Well, and you have to really try to get through on an emotional level. Forget about teaching them the the fundamentals. There are so many emotional things some of these kids go through on the playing field that it's. I, I give all youth coaches a ton of credit. Guys that do it way beyond what I do. They do year after year, and and the the things they go through um, to try to get through to these kids and teach them what it means to be a a competitor and a, and a sportsman, um, uh, that's a huge job, and they, they, they have a huge well, responsibility. Well, because you, you think about this, the message that you may give, you know, that kid who's 9, 10, 11, or 12, he's going to go home once he leaves you. And what message will he get once he gets at home? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now, you know, here's a young person with a thought process that could be conflicting. But at home, I'm hearing this. But at practice, I'm hearing this. Right. So which way do I go here? Yeah. So that can put that, that young person in a very difficult position. No question. Music's playing. That means, uh, I guess, we are done. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. Stay cool, all right? I do my best. For, for Zach, for Trent, I am Dave. I thank you for listening. Uh, we invite you to stay tuned for Tea to Green. Uh, breaking news, I, I may be sitting in the first segment as we uh, work out some technical difficulties. So stay tuned for that. Trent and I are back next Saturday, 8 o'clock, for more In the Zone. Until then, peace out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.